0: Uh, Well, today, we are going to wrap up the series we've had this summer uh, in the book of Colossians. Uh, We've themed this, Identify Yourself. The book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul nearly 2,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to a real group of people, a real church. And these people, much like in our culture today, struggled with their identity, struggled with finding out who they really are. And throughout history, we've struggled with that. Uh, Particularly in our culture today, people struggle with knowing if they're even a male or a female. People struggle with knowing what they believe. We look on social media. People struggle with, you know, editing their life. They want to have people think that they are something that they're not. And so what happens is we begin to put up these false Facades, these false walls, and we don't really know who we are. And and I can say this with all confidence: until you know who you are, you'll never be able to do what you're supposed to do. You gotta know who you are. Well, we've learned from scripture, from this, that you are not necessarily your failures. That's not who you are. We've all failed. We all have a past, but that's not who you are. According to Jesus, when you come to him, he puts that under the blood of Jesus Christ. He cleanses us from our sin. You're not even your successes. A lot of people think that because they're successful in business or because they have a successful uh, career or they're successful in some activity, they think that is what makes them who they are. But just because you are a good athlete, or good musician, or a good employer, or employee, or business owner, that doesn't make you who you are. You are who Jesus says you are. Now, here's the thing. We know this, because the devil, you do know he's a liar, right? The Bible says that he is a liar, and that he is the father of lies. In fact, what that means is that he is the ultimate liar. He'll sit on your shoulder and whisper lies into your ear. Well, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. If they really knew what you were really like, if they know what you thought this past week, if they know what you looked at this past week, if they knew what you were really like, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. He lies. He tells us that because we failed in our past that we can't succeed in the future. He tells us that because of something that we've done before that we're disqualified. But here's what God says about you. And we read this throughout Scripture. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it says you're a son or a daughter of God. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a son or a daughter of God, that's pretty pretty good, all right? It says you're more than a conqueror. You ever feel like a failure? You ever feel like that the things you try, you don't finish, that you can't do? You know what Jesus said about you? You're more than a conqueror. Not just a conqueror, but more than that. The Bible says you are filled with love and joy and peace and patience. And we could go on down the list. The fact is we don't feel that way sometimes. You ever say, I'm just the most impatient person in the world. Well, I've learned you don't pray for patience because God, will put you through tribulation. The Bible says tribulation work of patience. And uh, so the fact is God says that we are uh, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have all the promises of God that God gave to Jesus. That's who God says you are. Well, we've learned from this that Um, We've got to see what the Bible says and by faith believe what God says about us. Well, the title of my message today, you're going to think it's a little funny. You're going to think it's a little corny. The title of my message today is You Are a Winner. Now, I know that probably sounds like some kind of self-help speech. You're a winner. Everybody pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. That's not what this is, okay? Because what the Bible says about you is you're going to see today the The challenge that God gives to us is that we finish our race. Now, listen closely. We all have a race. We all have a job to do. My race is not your race. You know what what my race is? God has called me to, because he called me into the ministry, he called me to be a pastor. I've been an ordained pastor since I was 21 years old. I've worked in ministry since I was 17 years old. If you're wondering how old I am, I'm 22 years old now, all right? So, but I've got 37 years of experience behind that one year. I've been doing this for 37 years. You know what my race is? I got to finish my race, I got to use my gifts, my abilities for God. You know what God's called me to do? He's called me to be a pastor of a church. Now, He may not have called you to do that, but you know what? You have a race. You have a race. Maybe your race is uh, God's called you into business to be uh, a partner for the kingdom of God. Maybe God is gifted, and he gives some people this. He doesn't gift others this way. But some people he gifts with the ability to make money in order to use for the kingdom of God, to further the gospel. Those are important things. Some of you are like, I sure would like to try that, right? But the truth is you have a race to run. Some of you are a mother and you don't think your race is very important because your job mainly entails taking care of kids. Thank God for mothers. Now don't ever let anybody tell you that's not an important race. That is maybe the most important race. The truth is maybe God is using you to raise the next Billy Graham. Have you ever thought about that? What if your child that you pour your life into, that you bring to church, that you're trying to get to Jesus, what if your child ends up being the next one that preaches the gospel on a worldwide stage? You say, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. No, you don't know. But the truth is, you know that God has got you in a race. He's got you doing something. Okay, he's called you. And we know that God calls us. And we know that God has called every single one of us. And so when I say you are a winner, what I mean by that is that God has put in you, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the ability to finish your race. Now, the Bible uses this kind of terminology in several different places, running your race. Uh, The Bible also says run to win. Now, here's the good news you're not competing against somebody else. In your race, you're not competing against some celebrity. You know what I've learned about people that are famous and people that are wealthy um, is that they have normal problems like you and I have, okay? They uh, They have a race to run, and sometimes... You know, I know the old saying, you know, money can't buy you happiness, but it sure can buy you a brand new car, right? So, uh, which can maybe make you happy and a little bit tongue in cheek when I say that. The point is, it's not godly to have money or uh, godly to be broke, okay? Neither one of those is uh, in and of itself good. What is good is that you run your race. Now, maybe God's given you more money than others maybe God's given you more talent or ability or made you a little more famous than others that's okay but you have a race to run and here's what God has done he has equipped you and empowered you to finish your race the pandemic and I know we talk about I'll be glad when we don't ever use that word again won't you Here's what I know. There are a lot of people that stopped running their race. They got discouraged. They got distracted. They got derailed, okay? But God says, he has put in you the ability to win. Your race is not against me. It's not against your neighbor. It's not against Billy Graham. You know who your race is against? It's against you. You are the one. So he says, run to win. It doesn't mean that you got to be more famous than somebody else or get on television or write a book. What he means is you got to finish your race. You run to win. Here's what I know both spiritually and physically. You know, in my past, before I got whatever went on with me, uh, I ran six full marathons and I ran two ultra marathons. And here's what I know there were times that the only thing that kept me going was somebody cheering me along or the, the idea that I had a goal out ahead of me. And uh, sometimes when I finished my race, people cheered. And then there was one time I ran uh, an, a, a marathon in Albany, Georgia. And as I came to the finish line, I had my number and they had my name because they had my number. And this guy was on the microphone. There were all these hundreds of people around the the finish line he says here comes Richard Miller a member of our Clydesdale division <laughs> what are you saying was here's a fat guy crossing the finish line that's what he's saying and if I had the energy I would have gone and punched him but I did not have the energy I just run a marathon I was tired but here's what I know God has called you if you're a young person entering college listen finish your race If you're an old person that's retired, you don't have to be old to be retired, but if you're an older person, finish your race. Don't quit. Don't stop. God has called you to finish your race. Well, Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18 is the section we're going to look at today. We're not going to read all the verses because some of it's just kind of technical language, but it's the final part of uh, of Paul's letter, and he acknowledged the faithful people that had helped him. He asked them to pray for him, and he encouraged the church, and then he challenged them with his final words. Now, don't you listen. I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to read several verses as I make comments, but I'm going to read one verse that we get the theme of this message from today. It's Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. This is Paul's final part of his letter. Listen to what he says. And say to Archippus, Not a very common name. Hey, Archippus, would you come in here and help your sister? Not many people name their kids Archippus nowadays. But listen to what Paul said. Get how loving he was. Get how much of a spiritual father he was. Get how much of an encourager he was. Get how much he was uh, the voice piece of God to these people. Here's what he said. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill The ministry that you have received from the Lord. You know what he's telling him? Stay with it. Don't stop. Keep going. Cross the finish line. Why? You've received this ministry from the Lord. This is what God has called you to do. Now, from that verse, we can see that God has called every person. He's given you a job, He's given you a race, He's given you an assignment. You need to be a part. This morning, I think, a beautiful illustration happened of this. Our uh, praise team and our band and our tech team, they're so wonderful and they're so good. And uh, they were here this morning early and they were having a difficult time with our technology. Now, you know, sometimes it's easy to look at things that are intended to be a blessing and get upset with them, right? We get upset with sound. Thank God that we've got sound, all right? makes the service better. We'll get upset because the lights aren't working. Well, thank God that we've got lights, right? And thank God that we've got air conditioning. Can I get an amen right there? We could be sitting out in that humid heat and uh, melting and sweating away and nobody would be able to hear what I said, but we are in air conditioning, okay? So it's really easy to get the negative spin, is what I'm saying. But you know what they found? This is interesting. They were having problems with the screens. They were having problems with the lights. And they were having problems with the sound. And there was one, listen to this, there was one cord that was unplugged. That was it. They called and they worked and they fretted and they stressed. And I think they did a wonderful job this morning. Let's uh, say thank you to them. But you know what happened? Because one cord was not plugged in, the whole thing wasn't working properly. And, and let me tell you what God says in his word. You have a race to run. You are a part of a team. You are to be a part of the church. And if you're not plugged in, sometimes things don't work right. And God wants everyone. You say, well, I, I'm not a singer. You don't have to be a singer. You do what God has gifted you to do. You run your race. You see, and I really believe this there are people that when we get to heaven, they're gonna surprise us because their reward is gonna be so great. And we never even saw them, but they were behind the scenes doing things to advance the gospel, to serve Jesus. Why? Because it was their race. The church that I grew up in, the church that I Uh, Was called to ministry in, started there when I was 10 years old. There was a woman at that church, and her name was Alma. Alma, that's kind of an old fashioned name, isn't it? Alma. And the thing about Alma, I never really heard her say more than four or five words in the whole time that I was there. But you know what that woman did? Every week she came by herself, she cleaned the church. She vacuumed and cleaned the auditorium. She cleaned the bathroom. She cleaned the lobby. She made sure that everything was clean so that people could gather and worship God. And nobody really ever saw her do it. But you know what I believe with all of my heart, and I believe Scripture backs this up. uh, It talks about the greatest shall be the least, and the least shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. You know what? That woman, and I believe this with all my heart, and I believe she's dead today, But when she receives her reward, we're going to be shocked at the famous preachers that are going to be way back in the line compared to people like Alma. You know why? She ran a race. She did what God called her to do. She used her gifts. Let me ask you a question. Are you running your race? We know that God has given us a race. We know that this ministry is from the Lord. We know that he's given us the power to fulfill God's purpose for our life. Just from this one little verse. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. Well, Scripture tells us that God calls us. Now, I don't know how God called you, but I'll just kind of briefly share my testimony I got saved when I was eight years old, got baptized when I was eight years old. You know my story about how that my dad was an alcoholic, our family was far from God. My mother was a Christian, but my dad was not. And when I was a little boy for the first time, we went to church together as a family. And I'll never forget it. I was sitting in church with my dad and this preacher He told a story, he preached the gospel. My dad was being convicted by God. There's a guy at work that uh, that witnessed to him all the time, prayed with him all the time, and my dad was struggling. And the preacher told the story about the little boy that was in the Sunday school class, and the teacher said, how many of you boys want to go to heaven when you die? And all of them raised their hand except for that one little boy. And the teacher was flabbergasted. She said, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, no, ma'am. I want to go where my daddy goes. And my dad melted. He was there. God was working on him. The Holy Spirit was drawing him. And, and this was an old Southern Baptist church. And you, if you've been in those, you know that they give kind of the come forward to the altar kind of invitations. And my dad was so shy, there's no way he would walk forward in front of that church. But the pastor, his name was Hack Fry. That's a weird name, isn't it? A lot of weird names that we're talking about today. His name was Hack Fry. Hack grabbed my dad by the hand. He said, Roger, wouldn't you like to be saved today? And my dad said, I sure would. And he got saved on that day. And God changed our life. We began to go to church. You're going to probably find this strange, but when I got saved, I was only eight years old. But by the time I was 10 years old, I knew. This is this is going to bother some of you because you're going to. There's no way you knew that at age 10. Yes, I did, Um, and I can tell you that I knew that God was calling me to be a preacher, to pastor when I was 10 years old. That's why children's ministry is so important. Listen to me. That's why your kids need to be involved in youth. That's why your kids need to be here every Sunday, uh, as my wife and all of our wonderful team of volunteers ministers to these kids. Why? Because God works in kids' lives. Jesus said, bring the little children unto me. I preached my first message when I was 12 years old. An absolute failure, I thought. <laughs> I preached from John 3.16. I've still got the Bible that I used. It's red, it's leather, it's kind of beat up. Because, not that I read it that much, but I was just rough on it as a 12-year-old boy. But it's very special to me. Because that very first time I preached, and it was on a Wednesday night at this church, and they said, you got 10 minutes. And I went about six. And I ran out of stuff to say. I know some of you are like, we should get back to that a little bit, right? Uh, But uh, I'll never forget. So I said, so what that means is, and I just repeated everything that I've written down, and then I prayed And I tried to pray for every missionary I could think of, prayed for my pets, prayed for everything I could think of. And after about seven and a half minutes, I sat down. And I'll never forget how embarrassed I felt. Like, I'm 12 years old. I mean, you know, just 12. But here's what I determined in my heart, because sometimes the things that happen to us when we are young affect us. And here's what I said. I will never do that again. I promise you I'll not go in the ministry. That's too embarrassing. That's too much. There's no way that I can do that. And I'll never forget, as a 16-year-old boy at a Christian camp one summer, there was a pastor that was preaching, and I felt the compelling of the Holy Spirit. And I went forward at that camp, and I surrendered to Jesus. I said, you can have my life, God. You do with it whatever you want. I know you want me in the ministry. I don't want to do this. And, you know, I tried to kind of manipulate God a little bit because I love basketball. And I said, well, I tell you what, God, I'll serve you and I'll go in the ministry. I'll be a basketball coach at a Christian school. (laughs) That was my idea. But when I was a 17-year-old freshman in college, God began to solidify his call in my life. And all I did was say yes. And by the time I was a sophomore in college, I knew that God wanted me to pastor, and he was gonna have me be a youth pastor, and then a senior pastor. And for 37 years, I've been running my race, one step after the other, as much as I can. And I got discouraged at times. I felt like quitting at times, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. And look, your call is not going to be my call. Your call is going to be different than mine. But here's what I know. God's called you. And what you need to do is just keep running. Just keep going. Run to win. Don't quit. Why? Because God wants you to see. And I'm going to read this to you in just a minute. Uh, What do you need to finish your race? Let me give you the points because some of you are like starting to get the coffee shakes because I don't have anything for you to write down. By the way, uh, how many of you use the notes? Be honest. Don't lie. If you don't like them or you don't use them, do not raise your hand. Uh, How many of you, the write-in notes, how many of you use them? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. All right. Uh, How many of you like the uh, notes that we have on the Bible app? This exact same thing. You use that. Okay. You can get these notes on the Bible app, by the way. But let let, let me just give you these four things you need if you're going to finish your race. Remember, God's called you. You've got a race to run. Don't quit. Stay with it. Let, Let me show you four things from these last verses. Number one, you need Christian community. In other words, you need the church. It's interesting, and we didn't read all these verses, but Paul acknowledged his team. He talked about this important team around him. He encouraged them. He tried to encourage them to follow God. He challenged them, just like with Archippus. He said, stay with it. Keep on going. Don't quit. And listen to what he said. He said, give give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. You may have read about the church at Laodicea in the book of Revelation. The interesting thing about that church was by the time The apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. This church had already gotten cold. You remember in Revelation, Jesus said to them, he said, I wish you were cold or hot, but you're not. You're lukewarm. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I won't get into all the details of that. There's some interesting things about Laodicea because they didn't have a water supply there. They had to pipe their water in from the mountains. It was a long way." And and in the mountains, there were these wonderful, hot mineral springs, very healthy for you. But because they had to pipe their water from such a long distance, the water that they got was lukewarm mineral water. It wasn't hot, so you could take a therapeutic bath in it. And it wasn't cold, so you could drink it and enjoy it. It made the people want to spew it out of their mouth. That's the language used in the, book of King, in the King James Version. I love that. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. And, and so my point is, Paul says to this church at Laodicea, he said, look, just encourage them. Keep going. Paul wrote this, and it was probably some 30 or 40 years later that the book of Revelation was written. And so in that period of time, you know what had happened? There were some people that quit running they quit running their race. They got discouraged. They stopped. Why? Well, maybe because they didn't stay in Christian community like they should. Here's the second thing you need, you need prayer. Prayer. He said, "Struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God." These are a couple things that prayer do for you in your life. They will help you to mature Uh, They will help you to stand fully assured in the will of God. Have you ever had a decision to make and you didn't know what decision to make, you didn't know what to do, and then you get clarity on it, you get fully assured about what God wants you to do? Isn't that a beautiful thing? I got that full, clear assurance 20, almost 22, well, about 22 years ago when I knew that God had called me to start this church. It was clear. I knew it through a lot of prayer. Now, there are going to be things in your life that God wants you to have clarity on, but it doesn't happen without prayer. You've got to pray. You need Christian community, the church. You need prayer. Number three, you need the Word of God. He said, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. This letter that he wrote, was Holy Scripture. And he said, we need to read it in the churches. And we've got to have the Word of God. You need to read the Word of God regularly. You need to hear the Word of God taught. And I, as a pastor, have a responsibility to teach you the Word of God clearly in a way that is consistent with Scripture, that's correct, that will help you run your race. Here's what I believe. Uh, there are no errors in the Bible. It is what the word we use is infallible. I will say I am not infallible. And neither is any other preacher that you hear. Okay? Preachers are fallible. Teachers are fallible. We can get it wrong sometimes. And I know that some people do. But that's why you pray for your leadership. That's why you pray for your pastor. Because I have a responsibility to give you the word of God Correctly. Okay, that's part of my responsibility. So you need Christian community, the church. You need prayer. You need the Word of God. These will be things that will help you run your race. And then here's the last thing I'm going to end with this. You need diligence. Diligence. Faithfulness. A don't-quit spirit. You need to keep running and I've told you, and I've used these illustrations before because they're great illustrations for the Christian life. On one of the marathons that I ran many years ago now, it was that ultra marathon in South Africa. We were raising money for our children's village there in Dawa Yatimba in uh, South Africa for the AIDS orphans there. And what a wonderful ministry we've been able to be a part of. Well, I was there and some other people had come to run and raise money. Uh, a member of our church raised $10,000 to run that race and give to the kids' uh, ministry there. It was just a beautiful thing. Well, this race, if you are familiar with the terrain there around that part of South Africa, uh, this was called an uprun. It started in Durban, which is on the Indian Ocean, and it ended in the capital of the state of KwaZulu-Natal, uh, Natal, not Matal, KwaZulu-Natal, And it was, I don't know, probably I'm guessing it was probably five or six thousand feet elevation. So it went from here at ocean all the way up this mountain. Get this, not for three miles, not for six miles, not for twenty-six miles, but for fifty six miles. And I ran that race, okay? And I was running. And I was running. And what happened I got sick on the way over uh, on the plane and uh, so when I got there I went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed me some medication now what I did not do was read the side effects of that medication okay and what I found out later was that I really experienced the side effects of that medication in a severe way one of the side effects of that medication you know what it was cramps Now, when you're going to run 56 miles up the side of a mountain, you don't need cramps, is what I'm saying. I was in such good shape. I was feeling so good. Uh, The race started at 5.30 in the morning. I got there about 3.30 in the morning. It was so wonderful. There were about 20,000 runners in that race. It was exciting. They had a lot of music going on. Man, it was a lot of fun. And we started the race. 56 miles. And at about mile five, I began to feel the side effects of that medication. My legs, of all things, began to cramp. How many of you know if you're gonna run 56 miles, you need your legs? And at about five or six miles, my legs would cramp. And so I'd cramp and I'd stop and I'd run. Well, I wouldn't run, I'd walk a little. And then I'd run, I'd get a cramp again and I'd walk. And I did that for 56 miles. And you know the only thing that got me across the finish line? it was diligence. Because I can promise you I wanted to quit. Now I'd kind of put it out there that I was going to run this race, so a lot of pressure was on me to finish it. Uh, they actually had me on uh, one of the rock radio stations in Atlanta, and I was talking about it, and they were trying to raise money, and it was kind of a fun thing. And I was thinking about all those people that were following me on Facebook and all that stuff, and I'm like, oh, gosh, i got to finish this race. But at 27 miles, we came down into this big valley, and uh, there, we were, that was the halfway point, okay? You had to make the halfway point by a certain time, or they wouldn't let you continue the race. So I made it but I was dying, okay? And they had an ambulance sitting about, I don't know, about 50 or 60 yards from the halfway point in case people weren't gonna be able to make it. And I was like, you know what? I don't care what anybody in the world thinks about me. I gotta have some relief. And so I began to make my way over to that ambulance. And wouldn't you know it, when I got within about 20 yards of that ambulance, it took off and left me standing there. And I was like, God, what are you trying to do to me? (laughs) Well, I made it up that hill. It was about a mile and a half, just almost straight up. And I got to the top of that hill, and I felt a little better. I said, well, maybe I can make it. And I'd run a little, and I'd walk a little. And I'd run a little, and I'd walk a little. And I'd run a little, and I'd walk a little. And I had people that met me with about 10 miles to go. And they would run with me. They would encourage me. I had people all along that route. They were cheering me. There was music playing. They would really encourage me. And it helped me be diligent. And praise God, I crossed the finish line. Now, I I didn't do it in a very good time, okay? But I did it. It took me about 13 hours uh, to go 56 miles. But I finished. Now, here's the point. You know who that race was against? It was not against the people that won it, because I knew I didn't have a shot at that. You know who the race was against? It was against me. It was against my mentality. It was against me trying to finish what I'd been called to do. Let me, let me end with this scripture, a couple of scriptures. Second Timothy 4, 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. You know what God's saying? Finish. Stay with it. Don't give up. Fulfill what God has called you to do. And then one of my favorite passages from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and verses 1 through 3, it says, since we are surrounded by so many examples of faith. By the way, one of the things that gets you diligence, just right from this text, is seeing the people that have already run their race. It'll help you. It'll encourage you. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to be in church. It says we must get rid of everything that slows us down, especially sin that distracts us. I love what it says in the King James Version. It says the sin that so easily besets us. We all have a besetting sin, don't we? We all have things that discourage us and distract us and uh, defeat us and, and things really that deceive us. And what God says, you got to get rid of it. Lay it aside. And he says, especially the sins that distract us. And then we must run the race that lies ahead of us. He's not calling you to run my race. He's calling you to run yours. And then here's what he said, and never give up. And never give up. If you've never felt like giving up, you're not normal, okay? Everybody feels like giving up from time to time, no matter what it is. Anybody ever start a workout program and you feel like giving it up? Anybody ever start a workout program and you did give it up? All right, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand on that one. Anybody ever start a healthy eating program? We won't call it the D word the diet, okay, we'll just say a healthy eating program. Anybody ever start that and after about four or five days you're doing so well and you drive by a restaurant and the smell, oh my goodness, it just overwhelms you and you get home and you eat a whole half gallon of ice cream. Anybody ever do something like that? You give up? Anybody ever start a Bible reading program? January 1, a lot of people do. I'm going to read the Bible this year and by January the 9th, you already skipped a couple days, you missed a couple days, you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to finish this, and you just give up. Here's what he said. Don't ever give up. Never give up. You said, well, what if I'm not being a very good runner? Don't give up. The race is not, is not against somebody else. The race is against you. Do not give up. Keep on getting up. Keep on reading the Word of God. Keep on praying. Keep on serving God in the church. Keep on being a part of the church. Why? You've got a race to run, and you need somebody to come alongside of you and encourage you. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. That's what God says. Don't give up. And and then he shows us how to do it. We must focus on Jesus. You want to finish your race? you don't look well I tell you what Oh, so-and-so sister runs her mouth at church you know she said something that discouraged me and uh, you know I didn't like it and I'm offended Mr. know-it-all said something at church that made me mad don't focus on that he says focus on Jesus focus on Jesus you can focus on your problems Man, I know it's easy to focus on problems, isn't it? We all have them, okay? We all face that temptation. Don't focus on that. Of course you can find something wrong with the church. You know why? It's full of imperfect people. That's why. That's why we said this church is the perfect place for imperfect people, okay? If you expect me to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed. If you expect everybody in this church to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed. Don't focus on that. He said, well, I didn't like how they did the music uh, today. Well, don't focus on that. That's not what's important. You know what's important? Focus on Jesus. That's what he says. And notice how you do this. He said, he is the source and the goal of our faith. He's the source. Uh, I've, I've used these metaphors of running the race, I might as well continue it. When I was running that 56 miles, you know what I had to have? I had to have a source of energy. And we did something that, you know, you read about, those of you that are in the running community, and uh, they they do what's called carb loading. The night before, you'll eat something like pasta, or you'll eat potatoes, or a lot of it. Because you want to get a lot of carbs in your body you know why because your body uses carbs when you're running okay I practice carb loading now without running all right so in fact I plan on having some carbs after I get done today all right so but during the race they had this these gel packs that I would take that would give me energy there was this honey it was made from natural honey but it had somehow been dried and you could put it in your mouth, and it was almost like a piece of candy. know when I did it, it gave me energy. It helped me. It was my source. But notice, Jesus is not just the source, but he's the goal. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to cross the finish line. That was my goal. And here's what God says. When you begin to see him as the goal, that this life It's not to be lived so you can retire one day. It's not to be lived so you can get a nicer house one day. It's not to be lived so you can have a big bank account one day. Nothing wrong with those things in the right place. But notice that's not the goal. The goal is not... To be able to get a beach house and forget about all of life's problems. You know what the goal is? It's Jesus. That one day I'm gonna face him. That one day I'm gonna stand before him. And one day he's my goal, he's my finish line. And here's what the Bible says. You and I wanna hear this one day. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Good and faithful servant. I think Jesus is going to say, Well done to some people we're going to be surprised by. It's kind of like, you know, the joke about the Baptists, you know, you you have to be quiet when you're in heaven. They think they're the only ones there. All right. So, uh, but the, the truth, obviously, you didn't think that was very funny. So, never mind. But you're going to be surprised, I think. So will I. Because what you and I must understand is that if we're going to get to the goal, We've got to focus on Jesus. Realize he's our energy. He's our source. And he said, uh, he saw the joy ahead of him, so he endured death on the cross and ignored the disgrace that it brought him. Now he holds the honored position, the one next to God the Father on the heavenly throne. Think about Jesus. You want to finish your race? Think about him. The more you think about him, you realize that one day he's your goal and that one day you're going to stand before him. Has it ever dawned on you that Jesus is going to be a human in a human body throughout all of eternity? So you're going to literally be able to hug his neck one day. Isn't that amazing? I mean, the fact is, he's real, okay? Not just a spirit, but he is real for us. And I think that we think about Jesus, who endured opposition from sinners so you don't become tired and give up. Let me tell you something. Doesn't that sound kind of country? Let me tell you something. You're going to get tired. I can promise you that. I know beyond a doubt in my mind that what God's called me to do. I have no doubt about it. I am driven by it every day. I'm, I've been kept faithful by it because God has called me But if you think that even with that kind of clarity that I haven't felt like giving up, you don't know what preachers go through. It's like the old joke. Most preachers don't ever think about quitting except for every Monday morning. And and here's the point. You're gonna get tired and you're gonna wanna give up. You know how? You don't give up. You know how? You keep running. You think about Jesus. He endured it. He finished it. He got to the cross, aren't you glad for that? Boy, I'm so glad, so glad that he didn't give up. I'm so glad that he didn't get close to the cross and say, this is too much, this is too painful, I'm not going through this. And if you think that wasn't a temptation, read about what he prayed in the garden before he was crucified. He said, God, if there's another way, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to do it. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And thank God he finished it for us. When you think about quitting, when you think about giving up, think about Jesus. He didn't quit. He stayed with it. He endured suffering. He endured mocking. He endured uh, weariness. He stayed with it. Why? Because of the joy that was on the other side. If you keep your goal in mind, Jesus as your goal, Hearing him say one you know what I want so much in my life? I want to get, and I stand before God. I know I don't deserve it. I know that it's not because of me. It's because of God's grace. I get all that. But you know what I want to hear when I stand before Jesus? Well done. Well done. And I hope you do too. So, you know what Paul said? He said, tell Archippus... Stay with it, son. Don't quit. You got something to do. What you've got to do is important. You may not think it is, but it's important. Fulfill the ministry that we know God gave you. And what I say to Stillwater's Church and what I say to every person watching online, fulfill your ministry. Don't give up. Stay with it. Keep running the race. Why? Because one day we got a goal, and we're going to cross that finish line. And when we cross the finish line, it's not retirement. It's not a certain age, but it's when we cross over Jordan into the heavenlies, and we stand before God, and we see our goal is there. We meet Jesus, and he says, well done. That's our goal. That's our race. And praise God, let's do it. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd help us to stay in the race. we got a race to run. I know it can be discouraging at times and tiresome at times, but God, help us to keep on running. Help us not to stop. Help us to keep our eyes on you and the joy that you've given us in life. There's a lot of joy around us. We can get our eyes on politics and all kinds of stuff, and it'll still our joy. But God, help us keep our eyes on you because you're our source and you're our goal. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, let me say this as we finish up. If you need to receive Christ today, I can't think of a better day to do it. If you're watching online, say something like this. Dear Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to forgive my sins. And I commit my life to you, and I ask you to save me. If you want to do that today in the room, fill out that Next Step card and drop it in the drop box on the way out so that we'll know that you pray to receive Christ today. Whatever your next step is. Just a few weeks, we're going to start small groups, so don't forget, if you didn't get that card turned in about small groups, drop it in the drop box, which is right back here uh, to my right, to your left on the way out, and let us know about that. Whatever your next step is, we're going to do a next step class soon, uh, so you can be a part of that. If you want to get involved in ministry here, you can be a part of that. Uh, But I want to encourage you, step into the race, run it because God has a race for you. Amen? Amen. I want you to know I love you. Thank you so much for being here today. Invite somebody to come with you next week. We'll see you next Sunday.